Hello, everybody, and welcome to Reliving the Extreme. Nate Maxson here with you, along with my brother Aaron. What's up? And live from Baltimore, <laughs> Mr. Chad Austin. Yeah, guys, we're going to make this quick, man. I'm bowling some hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> you got the egg timer going on the show. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah we, were just, we were just talking before we went on the air. I'm tired. Aaron's sick, so we're going to... We're going to get into the meat of the matter this week and not do our normal, you know, bullshitting about modern wrestling that doesn't matter anyway. Um, we're going to talk about the episode of ECW from March 26, 1996, which I actually really enjoyed this episode of the show. Yeah, man. I, it was quality. Uh, I was hoping one of you guys might want to, we're going to shit on it so I could be like, dude, if, if this is where I said probably two or three times during the show. If most of these matches that they showed on TV were at that show where they taped, that was a hell of a show to be a fan they go to. Yeah. So much bullshit happened, good stuff happened. It was just, you know, if I was a fan and I paid like 25 hours to get in there and they gave me that as my entertainment, hell yeah, dude. When are you doing the next one? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll be back next month, brother. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the show starts off, you know, and I don't think this part was from the show that the taping was at, obviously. But this was fan cam footage of the Bruise Brothers, Shane Douglas, Tommy Dreamer, doing the old, the good old fashioned concession stand brawl. Is there a promotion in the in the existence of the world since the first concession stand brawl that hasn't done a concession stand brawl? Well, first off, you didn't you didn't say it correctly. It was the uh, the Tupelo the Tupelo um, concession stand brawl, and yeah, when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, now ECW is going to redo it. <laughs> yeah, who hasn't? And dude, I've done it on an independent level even. I've done it a couple times. Yeah, it, it just it, oh, I can see now the Tupelo brawl. I mean, that that being Tommy's idea of, of a good night, good time. <laughs> he probably already looked at it. He also looked at it as a way to get free food. Let me shove some food in my face. And when I saw like the place, like the the tables and shit, I'm like, is this a broad like a old country buffet? Like what is going on? Like I've never been to a con I've never been to a place where they're like, oh, the concessions and they have like picnic table covers on the on the thing. It's like what the fuck? Instead of the Tupelo concession stand brawl, it's the Golden Corral buffet brawl. Fuck yeah. You know how many fried shrimp I'll be shoving in my face? <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a brawl, I'll be, I'll be cracking snow crab legs as, as you carry me down the dessert section. Sticking the, bru yeah. the, bru the Bruce Brothers head in the chocolate fountain. Yeah, dude, you're sucking it all up. <laughs> Instead of fucking having a crimson mash, you would have a fudge mash. Just with fudge running down your face like blood. Yeah, it's awesome. I'd do that in a heartbeat. But yeah, I think uh yeah, like I said, I don't know. I don't know of any any wrestling promotion since that hasn't done it at least once. Um I know WCW did it. With the nasty yeah, boy. Who did gotta be a couple on TV though too, but even though when, when I did, they did it, it with everybody with the nasty boys. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, one of them was in Baltimore, I believe. Because I, I, I don't remember if that was the famous one or not, but I know the commission got all mad at them for it. Because they, because like the WCW cut them a check, but they went out there and did more damage than WCW cut the check. <laughs> I think they paid them 10 grand. And like they ended up like really like demolishing one of their concessions there. And you're probably right. You're probably right about Baltimore too, because I think it was at a Great American Bash, and they did. I don't think they did every Great American Bash in Baltimore, but they did most of the Great American Bashes in Baltimore. They did. I mean, at least at least three or four that you know I can probably top of my head. Yeah, Baltimore hosted a lot of their. We, we, we always, well, we had the, the Crockett Memorial Cup too. Mm -hmm. And Baltimore had a lot of a lot of big a big things. And it, it's uh, 
what do I want to say? Is that is that just because you think because you know you think of you think of Maryland and you would think of it being more, I guess ge- geographically you'd think of it being more a WWF town, but WCW and Crockett always seem to do better there. Is it just because of the close proximity proximity to the Carolinas? Do you think is why they did so well there as opposed to other more northern uh, states and cities? I- Dude, I think I, I looked at it like I don't know about about a lot of other states, but all I got was WWE for for years and years and years and years. And it wasn't until out of nowhere this one small channel that I got started carrying NWA or something, or I, I might have even got to see out of Philadelphia, Billy Fifty Seven mm-hmm. representing. And I may have got it out of there, but yeah, it was like dude, it was it was UHF. You know, how to find that shit. Well, this was a cool way to start the show, kind of a hot start to the show. Um, you know, and the fan cam footage is, especially for ECW, a promotion that is billing itself as all about the fan experience. The fan cam footage is a good strategy. You know, this is what it's like to be in the audience. This is what it's like to be within, you know, around the insanity that is ECW because in ECW, you're not at this time, in this place, in this era of wrestling, you're not going to get closer to your your wrestling stars than you are in the ECW show. Yeah, I have a I have a, 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 a ton of the fan cam. I got I got them from the, the judge. I almost had 20 or 30 of them. I don't know how many they did. But I just, I just love how they dated them, like because it goes to show you the schedule how like Vince would run like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Like I would have like two or three tapes from three different towns back to back to back, and it had to be the same matchup. <laughs> like you know, they just change at the top of it, they just change like the date and whatever in the city, and it was the same card, you know, every mm-hmm. like four towns in a row. And I, I got I got I got a ton of uh, fan. I, I used to like the fan cam. Sometimes sometimes it, like Raven especially, he would do like cool shit on fan cam. Like like he would like do goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he knew really. A lot of guys had fun doing, especially the old Jim Thorpe shows. Who shot those for Polly? John Doug. Okay. Paul Feinstein doing, but I think Doug was the actual uh, videographer. Let me see what else is on that tape. <laughs> or, or I wonder what he taped over. <laughs> well, after the con- after the concession stand deal, Joey Styles gets us a gives us an intro to the show and discusses about how we're going to see Cactus Jack's last match. An ECW before he goes to the WWF, and uh, in 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 grand fashion, especially for this time in pro wrestling, because at this time in pro wrestling, when somebody went from one promotion to the other with all the wars going on and everything, it was pretty much you know, well, we we liked this guy last week, but he's going to the competition, so this week he's a piece of shit. They didn't do that with Cactus because he's fucking Cactus, and they knew what he did for that company. So on his way out. Joey Joey puts him over. We're grateful to Cactus Jack for everything he's done, and it was a classy way to send Cactus off. Aaron, you go first, buddy. What do you think, man? I know you're, I know you're a fan of Cactus. Well, it was a classy way to send him off, and plus, it's like I don't personally know Mick Foley, but anybody that I've ever heard, other than uh, maybe Ric Flair never disliked the guy and he was always great to everybody you know what i mean so it's like how you gonna shit on this guy and then two it's like it's mick foley going to the wwf and vince didn't even really want him so if it doesn't work out he's not going back to wcw so he's probably gonna wind up back here you know it was a 50 50 chance if he was even gonna make it in the wwf so Mm -hmm. if he didn't make it He's going to wind up back there, so don't shit on him on the way out, because he might be coming back in six months. You know what I mean? I mean, what do you think the ECW crowd would do if it didn't work and didn't come back? 
You think they you think you'd make it a maybe you could be a heel for just quitting or or they could spin it into him coming back? Now the ECW crowd would have ate it up if he came back. They'd have ate it up like a motherfucker if he came back. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, good or bad. The the I think I think if initially, I think initially it would have been one of those deals where initially that they they probably would have brought him back and let him heal on the people and let them get their boos and hisses and fuck yous out of their system. And then after about two months, he'd be back in the fold. And, yeah, it'd it wouldn't be even have been two. It wouldn't even have been two months. They hated Sabu when he left, and the minute he showed back up, they were like, "You're the greatest." You right? The minute, the minute he showed back up, <laughs> you ain't, you ain't kidding, dude. That's the, but I, I, I haven't watched that in so long, and I, I wasn't there. I didn't see it live. But when I saw it on tape, and I heard them people chant "Fuck Sabu," I didn't realize it was that bad. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I knew people had, had heard about the story, but I didn't think it got, it escalated to that level. Then you're going to hear the whole entire crowd just yelling, fuck Sabu. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But as soon as he, came, he back, came back, there were babies were in the air. Right. I think uh, also, speaking of Jack, I think, I think to be honest with you, and you guys can tell me if you disagree. I think the best thing that happened to him when he went, because you said, like you said, Aaron, is Vince even going to like this guy? Because Vince didn't even want him. You know, JR and Jim Cornette pretty much convinced Vince to hire him. And I think, do you think that it was, it was very, very fortunate for Mick, at least in the WWF, that the first person they programmed him with was Undertaker? Because not only did he have great, sh did he do great shit with Undertaker to keep Vince happy and make Vince notice him, but then you also have the Undertaker, who Vince trusts beyond anybody else, giving Mick his endorsement. You know what I mean? J um, you listen to a thing where Jr. talked about finally getting Mick in there, and Vince told Jr. Um, "Fine, I'm going to let you hire this guy." And Jim Ross is like, all right. And Vince told him, the reason I'm going to let you hire him is because I want you to know what it's going to, I want you to know what it feels like for somebody that you love to let you down. Right. Like, that's what he told him. Like, he's like, this guy's going to fail. And I want you to know what it feels like. Jesus. And it was Ross's thought on Mick was that Mick was big enough to be believable working with the undertaker and knew that Mick would be able to, um, I don't want to say it like, like he took it at like Jim Ross basically said, you know, it's like taker's been working with these big sluggish guys, you know, like Bundy and, and Gonzalez and haven't been able to give him a good match. But then when you put him in there with somebody like Sean, he's a little guy, you know, but he's like Mick's big enough to be believable with him, but can actually get like work rate out of Undertaker. Like that's what Jim Ross saw in him. And you're right. If it would have been mankind coming in and his first feud was with, I don't know, Bob Sparkplug Hotly. Yeah. Or a <laughs> Mark Marrow or some shit like that, it wouldn't have fucking worked. But Absolutely. bang, just get him right in there with the Undertaker. He's a star. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't he really Taker. wasn't, honestly. Like he had that first initial feud with Undertaker. And after that, he didn't really do a lot. He didn't do anything for probably a year in that company. He just kind of floundered. Like he was always on, but he just kind of floundered. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it took it it took the oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chad. Like, wasn't wasn't Sean after Taker? Yeah, Sean was was Taker. Well, he was actually still kind of working the program with Taker when they had the Shawn Michaels Mind Games match, because um, it was one of those times where Taker was selling, you know, selling being. I think Paul Bearer just turned on him was what it was. So Taker was off TV for a couple of months, and then, but yeah, he was still in the midst of that program. And then once the Taker program was kind of over, like Aaron said, he kind of he kind of floundered a little bit, like 
they did the stuff where they teamed him up with uh, Vader at WrestleMania. And then it was really that when he did that whole promo with just the sit-down interview with Jim Ross talking about his history and Japan and dude love and blah, 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 blah. They say that's when he, that's what really made Vince a fan of Mick Foley was that, that sit down interview with JR. Cause the Sean thing wasn't even really, the Sean thing really wasn't even a feud. It was just like a, it was supposed to be just like a, or was it supposed to be? It was, it was just like a one-off. You know what I mean? It was like that thing where like, Oh man, Kyle's the number one contender. Yeah. In your house, even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> turned, grand turned out to be the fucking match of the year. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say that shit. Yeah, Meg. I mean, uh, uh, most of the guys don't get that treatment from any company of any sort. That's what mm-hmm. made the whole entire thing special. Do you know how much time they took up on that show just to fucking thank Jack for what he did? Right. You know, the whole entire pretty much fucking uh, go to a break, come back, do more shit about him. So, yeah, that was that was that was very, very classy on ECW's part, very respectful. And 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 right there, it, it leaves the door open anyway. So, there you go, you're welcome back, pal. And then we do I see, see when I left. <laughs> <laughs> We do see highlights, like Joey uh, announced. We see highlights of uh, Cactus's last match in ECW. Apropos that it is against Mikey Whipwreck. It's Cactus versus Mikey. Um, Mikey starts the match in a neck brace. I think they explained why, but I didn't write it down. He got hurt like the previous night Taz choked him out. Okay. Right, Jim Thorpe? Probably. Um, and then the the match itself, the highlights that we see, of course, are good, especially what you would expect out of these guys. Um, I don't have a lot of actual notes on the match. I know there's a spot with the Eagle's Nest. Um, there's a lots of chair spots in the match. Uh, Mikey fighting from underneath. Um, Aaron, did you have Aaron or Chad? Did you guys have any more specific spots that you took notes on? I know the four chair shots to the head was something that I wrote down. And, and and just from what they showed in the highlights, and the match looked the match looked not just good. It looked it's not just good enough. It looked like it was a good match. Mm-hmm. Like they, they could have aired that just the highlights as the match. Man, it would have been like, oh my god, that match was that good. It was it was a it was a it looked like it was a good match. I I, I actually really liked it, and I'm not you know I'm not a huge Mikey fan. Yeah. Um, the only couple notes I have is, um, Mike, like, I, I know Chad said he's not a Mikey fan or whatever, but, um, this isn't him, this isn't anything about being a fan of him, but he was supposed to go through that table when he got bumped over the, over the top, yeah, right. and, and, and it wasn't a fall drop, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fall, like a far fall, but he hit that fucking table pretty hard, and then Mick yeah. tried to fucking suit. Like he did hit that table hard. And I was like, Are you telling me that cable that strong or Mikey's Mikey's not Mikey's heavier than you think he is? He's a small guy, but he's heavy but not that. But yeah, he sure he easily broke that table. That probably hurt and more then, than it was breaking. So then Mick tries to break it by suplexing him through it, and that doesn't fucking work. So I'm like, oh, those were that, that shit had to hurt. And then the only other thing I had was, I know like they weren't like the hardest chair shots that Mick gave that Mick got from Mikey, but I have, I don't know how I want to say this. Like it's insane that Mick has done the shit that he's done, and I know he's he's not moving around as much anymore or whatever, but it's insane that he's still. Got his thought processes and still, shit. You know still, what I mean? Still, yeah, like, still as sharp as he is. Yeah, he should be mush brain like by now. Like it should be like a he should be talking he should left be out talk, in the rain. He should be talking like Stu Hart. <laughs> yeah, or worse. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I mean, everybody's different, man. I mean, he, he, he took a lot more chair shots than, say, I mean, anybody else that you could say claims they had whatever that kind of stuff from chair shots. And Mick took twice as many as that. <laughs> you know, I've taken, I, I was a big fan. I was stupid. I admit it. I, I was the one that would take chair shots and not put their hand up. Because they they really if they, they really didn't hurt that much. Like if the person knew how to hit you with the chair, I mean, yeah, you felt it, but it wasn't nowhere near. I mean, it's not we ain't talking about Balls Mahoney either. Or actual <laughs> yeah. rock. We're talking about your regular chair shot, you know, in a in a regular mud show match or whatever. And but yeah, I, I never had a problem with that, but I don't know. I mean yeah, like Jack was like that. He took, he took, he had to have taken more than me. And you know, he he's still normal. So everybody's different. I'm just saying, if somebody would have, I'm just saying, if somebody would have hit me like chair shots that like Masato Tanaka took, or how fucking even one night at the Royal, if somebody would have hit me with chairs like Rock hit Mick Foley with chairs at that Royal Rumble '99. If you'd ask me now, what's two plus two? I'd be like carrots. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'd be, yeah. a, I'd be a fucking hard. Doing it, nobody else was doing it. You know, Tanaka wasn't even. Well, Tanaka was taking it in a different way, but like, yeah, that chair shots of 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 getting backed in the head, walking down the aisle. That was more chair shots than a lot of guys will have in their career. <laughs> And they weren't whacking chair shots either. Yeah, it's always. And he, I mean, it's... whatever he's got in his life, if it's fortunate, he, if he deserves that shit, dude. It's always it's always rough to uh, I'm going back to what you were talking about a little bit ago, Aaron, about uh Mikey not going through the table like he was supposed to, and then Mick trying to put him through the table and he still doesn't. It's a, it's a, I always feel bad for for a guy when there's a spot like that and it's just not working. And you're just like, oh god, oh god, you poor you poor sack of shit. Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. <laughs> I, I I love it too when the guys had the table in the corner set up like a straight wise, and you throw a guy in, and the guy does the flip bump and can't even get to the table. Just bounces off of it, yeah. yeah I mean, you're not getting, you're not getting more leverage. You ain't got a better opportunity of breaking that table than you do in that situation. And the guy running does a flip, and he, and he bounces off, and it's like, and, and the table falls on him. Yeah, it bounces off the rope, and it'll. And it, the guy's getting up and it'll like catch him in the fucking back or something. Like you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> and it it happens, and he doesn't go through it. And then all these fucking neckbeards boo him. Yeah. It's like you know what? It's more impressive that he took it than it didn't break. You fucking assholes! Like applaud him for that. <laughs> that, 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 that video Sabu, man, it's probably the greatest one. The one in Japan where he does it like the the moonsault like off the top off the top rope or the the asai moon or whatever and he bounces off the the Japanese table where like you know like he landed like ribs first on it almost perfect and it didn't break and he bounced them off I'm like oh you see him hold his ribs and I think the rest of that tour because I might have a couple of shows I think he has his ribs all caved up. Fucking dummy. Well, then the uh, essentially the match comes down to uh, Cactus Jack winning the match against Mikey. Of course, he's winning his final match on his way out once again, sending sending Mick out of the territory in the way you don't normally send someone out of the territory. You usually go out on your back, but Mikey, you put Mikey over on the way out too. Yes. Yes. Nobody's gonna remember a Cactus one lost that match or whoever. It ain't that that has already forgotten about. Yeah, put Mikey in a better spot. And then of course, just to put just because it's the ECW crowd and you want to put a little bit of a needle into him, Cactus cuts a promo and then he brings out Stevie Richards and the blue meanie because he wants to do a strut. 
with the fabulous ones. Yeah, well, I wonder if that was if that was if Cactus talk fall into that, <laughs> like, like something that he just really wanted to do. Because <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'm I, I really don't see a whole lot of correlation as to like you know what what we got out of that. Right. Like, yeah, and I. I I, I really I really do think it's just it was just yeah that, that this was definitely a Mick Foley request. There's no doubt it wasn't. Okay, before I go out, let me strut yeah, with these two fucking idiots. I saw I saw where the show was going at this point. Anyway, no half the show was um goodbye was goodbye Jack, which was great. You know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they would be remiss if they didn't take a little bit. And it's not even a shot. But uh, since he's go when he's going to the WWF, he's going to be Mankind. He's no longer Cactus Jack. They did put up the little, uh, little thing on the screen that said, Cactus Jack, 1985 to 1996. Cool. Rest in peace. I remember that first run. When I saw this show the first time, it like did. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, that was that was really cool in my in my opinion. Hey, and then classy. we come back. Oh, go ahead, Chad. Classy. ECW is a classy operation. Yeah. We come back from the break after that, and it is a matchup between Chris Jericho and Taz here on ECW. Um Straight on paper, doesn't it? Yeah, and they're well. They're just throwing Jericho out there too. You know, they're not they're not uh, they're not building him slow or anything. They're just throwing him in there with their top guys. And I last week we talked and said that um, he was only there for a, a cup of coffee or whatever. And he kind of was, but he lasted until August, and we're in March now. I honestly think Paul thought he was going to have him longer than what he did with everything that he's putting into him. I, like, cause they're building him up as like being like the second coming. And I think that I think Paul thought he had him longer than he was than what he ever, yeah, than what he originally I, did. I guess Paul did originally because you could see where you could have your, your basically your two top baby faces. You got Tommy, Tommy dreamer. Who's in a, who's in a, a top baby face. He's in a constant program with Raven or a war. And then you have Chris Jericho as your top champion babyface. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The guy that actually goes, he wants to be the world. You know what I mean? You have, you have two different top babyfaces. Or you could switch fucking Jericho heel, you know? But I mean, we haven't got, we're, we haven't got nowhere near that yet. Like Jericho being a heel, I mean, it takes another year, probably a year and a half to, to, to for some, I mean, it was, they weren't heels in Smoky Mountain, so that's, yeah, it was only on WCW at first, I believe. Yeah, yeah, because he does about his first. He does about. He does about his first, maybe about a year, year to year. No, nah, not even a year. Yeah, probably a year to year and a half in WCW as a face, and then he. I think he kind of he, he kind of starts going heel. Does he start kind of start going heel in the, with the run with Malenko, Aaron? Isn't that when? He oh, it's way before. It, it's way before that. Um. Well, I shouldn't say way before that. Um, it's about mid ninety seven. They gave him like a losing streak, and he got mad and like beat up Penzer a couple times, and then he apologized. And it was it was like mid ninety seven. And this was Jericho. Yeah. Can't think of who they had him lose against, like for for that to for that to work. I, I guess. I was gonna say, I guess now that Aaron mentions it, I kind of vaguely remember that because he did. He lost like Mysterio, then it gets to the point where he's losing to like Prince Iakea and shit, and he just kind of. Oh yeah, the Iakea loss was like set him over. <laughs> that was that was the Iakea that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah, the Iakea and made him lose his mind. Oh my god, he, he had to do it. He had to put him over Iakea. Yeah, one of my he, favorite things. He started calling him. My, he called. He used to call him Prince Nakamaki. <laughs> yeah, Prince Nakamaki, and he 
uh, like one day he was like supposed to fight him for his cruiserweight belt, and he was like, "Look at you! There's no way you're a cruiserweight. Look at your love handles, you f- like." He's like, "You big fat bastard!" It's basically what he called. <laughs> you big fat Polynesian. <laughs> oh, Polynesian! He got all brand specific. <laughs> Chris Jericho's like the Adam Sandler of wrestling. I have this theory. Here's here's my theory, Chad. I don't think I've ever told you this. I loved Adam Sandler. All right. I thought Adam Sandler movies were great. I thought he was really funny. And then right about the time that movie Click was out, I'm pretty sure the real Adam Sandler was abducted by aliens and replaced by a shitty Adam Sandler. Because ever since then, he's been a completely different Adam Sandler that isn't funny and makes shitty movies. And I think at some point... In like maybe what 2018, Chris Jericho was actually replaced by an alien because the Chris Jericho of today is not the Chris Jericho. Like the dude's a fucking wacko. He's not near as good as he used. To. I don't know. I and I'm not trying to hate hate, but I'm just saying like there's just the what I remember of him back in the day to now. I just it's like a completely different dude. Oh well, yeah, I mean because he's got. I mean. It's kind of hard to explain. We really don't have the time to get on to it like that, but he's got so much going on and like in his real life, you know, like his his first. He didn't, I guess he, you know, he he turned his character into what he became as a person. You know, he wasn't as he wasn't as goofy. You know, I mean, as, as slapstick anymore, and like he was, you know, it was almost like wrestling was like a burden to him. It was like all oh, this other shit going on and stuff. Yeah, he was. Um, I, I, I like. I mean, I like that Chris Jericho. To me, he can do anything. He, he's great at it all. But but him him getting to be himself as a heel is is, is it's hilarious to me. I mean, um, I don't know about the Adam Sandler thing because I don't know anything about Adam Sandler at all. But but you know, but, but he knew what he Chris Jericho knew what funny was, especially when he had to be funny. Yeah. And 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 I will put I will put his 2008 and I know that's 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 you know we're we're kind of like 80s 90s guys but I will actually put his 2008 through 2010 WWF heel run or WWE heel run up against the top any top heel run in the history. He was you're so. Suit, you're talking about Suit Jericho, right? Yeah, I'm talking about Suit Jericho. I'm oh, talking yeah. about I, I, I knocked I knocked Shawn Michaels' wife out, Jericho. Just yeah, that I, I was gonna say I've liked everything about his career up until like, and I don't want to hate on AEW, but whatever, everything up to what he's doing now. But the best Jerichos I've ever seen were kind of like we were talking about, where he snapped and like started feuding with. Like when he took the mask off of Uvi and he took Ray's knee out and he was making fun of Dean Malenko and he called Dean Malenko's dad Boris Malenko. <laughs> like that was fun. And then I liked Soup Jericho and like where he, he talked, he talked quiet so people would have to listen. Yeah, they'd have to like shut up took, and listen to what he said. Yeah, like he took elements of all like the best heels in the business and rolled them into one. Like it was like it was like this might sound stupid, but it was like heel Jake Roberts and Nick Bockwinkle had a baby, and it was two thousand eight Chris Jericho. One of the greatest. Separate night. One of the great. One of the greatest heel. One of the great. My favorite heel wins a title moments ever is when he he has a title match. He has that title match with Shawn Michaels, and it's a ladder match. And. I think it's a title. Anyway, yes, yeah, it's, it's a world title. It's for it's a ladder match, and the only reason he wins is because the title like swings into his face, and then he swings back, and and Sean falls off the ladder, and then Jericho accidentally grabs the belt, and the the reaction is great because first of all, he accidentally became the champion, and then he gives the smile like he's half fucking out of it, and his tooth's missing. And he's holding the belt up, and it's just—it's fucking classic, man. It's great. <laughs> and you know what makes it even better? The week before, and I don't know if he did it 
because he was smart enough to do it or if it just kind of worked like worked out that way but the week before on raw he was like in his suit and he had his hair all nice and everything and he climbed up the ladder and he said the last thing you're gonna see on this pay-per-view this sunday is me like this and he's like happy and he's got everything going (laughs) oh i'm sure he did that and then like the end of the pay-per-view is him (laughs) in the same position but his hair is disheveled. He's bloody. He's missing, he's missing a fucking a tooth. tooth. <laughs> it's good shit, pal. Jericho. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jericho's going to go down. It's amazing how if you would ask me, I don't know, 20 years ago, the list, like, my top five greatest, you know, of all time. And it's amazing how many people are, or just say top ten, because top five is pretty much going to stay the same. Mm-hmm. But just think about then, how many guys have slid out, and guys like Jericho may have slid in, you know? You know, because I'm always, I'm always going to put the Ric Flair, Terry Funk, Blackwinkle, Races, all them guys as, as my greatest of all time. But all of a sudden, when you start seeing names like Jericho, you know, he's starting yeah. to really earn his spot as one of the greatest of all time. And he, they're starting to call him that, at least Jim Ross is. Is calling him, you know, and it's like, yeah, he's getting that ready. And it's funny because you just don't think Chris Jericho is, you know, one of the greatest of all time. It's just funny how it works out that way, but I, I totally agree that he is. The, the match itself between Jericho and Taz, my, my notes are it's a good back and forth match. Jericho shows, you know, why he's going to be a future Jericho Hall of Famer. Jericho got was, a lot in that match. Yes, he did, and the match is really good. And um, John uh, Jim Molino actually stops the match, or tries to stop the match after Taz uh, gives Jericho a pretty nasty suplex on his head. But Jericho, being the babyface, protests. They restart the match. Taz gives him another suplex, oh, and Taz mission for the win. But it was all very effective, and this was this was a really good matchup. I actually didn't expect it. To be honest with you, I didn't I didn't I didn't think they'd mesh when I first saw that this match was gonna happen. Well, I mean I, I totally love that 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 boss that that boss finish spot stopping the match. It, it also it also gave you a fucking an opportunity to see where Jericho's at as far as with the crowd. If that was over. Yeah. But for Jericho to win the match as we started, you know, if the crowd would have cheered, then you know they want to see his, they want to see Jericho or or they you know, they could have they could have booed, he could have been chicken shit, but no, he was a tough guy. He wanted five more minutes. Or whatever he did. Aaron, your uh, thoughts on the match itself before we get to the aftermatch? The afterbirth. I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was a decent match, and really the only note I got out of it is um, that spot where um, Taz went to um, Taz Plex Jericho off the second rope, and Jericho rolled out of it and landed on his feet. That was, I was like, that's fucking impressive. I I, I know it wasn't like a huge spot or anything, but I, I thought it looked fucking cool. It's like the main spot in the whole match for me was that I was like, that was that, that was really a good looking spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jericho's, Jericho's a lot like me when he, when, when he hits them high spots like that, you know, there, you have a, you have a great opportunity, you have a great percentage of a chance of pulling it off, but your, your, your percentage of, of blowing that spot is nowhere near as fucking low as the rate of period. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know I can do all that shit, but it ain't. It's like Chris Jericho; he can do it too, but he can't do it like Rey Mysterio or or him guys. He does it like a white guy like me. There's a good <laughs> chance you can blow this. Well, and after the matchup, after the matchup, Taz uh, won't let go of the Katahajime. so the uh, bunch of guys come out from the locker room to try to get him to break the the hold. Brian oh, Pillman yeah. comes. What's that? First it was Nunzio by himself. Oh yeah, first it was yeah, it was Damian Stone slash Nunzio slash Little Guido, 
slash probably works at Dunkin' Donuts now. Um, he was the first one out. And then Brian Pillman comes out. And they 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 essentially, you know, are trying to say that he's coming out because they both came out of the dungeon and blah, blah, blah. But Pillman does the heel bullshit and leaves. Shane Douglas comes out, kind of chases Pillman back. I actually did like this was a good use of that football player guy who we still don't know who he is. But Pillman's escape, Pillman's fucking like Pillman's fucking escape from the arena was some awesome fucking like <laughs> slapstick comedy shit. He jumps, he jumps over the rail into the arms of this large football player, and then a large football player carries him out of the arena. I thought that was fucking great, man. Yeah, I don't remember who that guy was, man. His name was like Cartwright or Boatwright or... But like, I, I didn't know he was part of the act. I, I fucking love that shit. I thought I was like, that is fucking awesome. <laughs> what about what he did to the Puerto Rican, though? Man. Pillman just dropped the Puerto Rican on his fucking head. You know, like when he suplexed that kid, he just dropped him on his fucking head. Like half his head hit the side, the fucking guardrail, and the other side of his head hit the fucking floor. And I was like, God damn, he didn't protect that little fucking Puerto Rican at all. Yeah, just think it could have been me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think so. And then the other, the only other note I have is why the fuck is Judge Dredd here? Like they sent Judge Dredd out. Why? No, that wasn't Judge Dredd. He's the fat. He's the guy that looks like nine one one, but isn't. Isn't that one of the the cops or the security guard? What was that? I don't remember the wrestler guy to look like that. <laughs> it's just his name was Dread in ECW, but he was Judge Dread, and he had like suspenders that went through like they went over like this. But he had to wear a fucking t-shirt because he was a fat fuck. He looked like a bigger version of the bad attitude guys or whatever. No, wasn't that Damien King? No, it's not Damien. It's a big fat fuck named Judge Dredd, and he's out there. Him being in that match, I know, I know the Sabu Judge Dredd guy, but he was only there, I believe, like once or twice. Real big dude, tall. <laughs> he was a big fat he's guy. He's like six nine. <laughs> well, the. The next thing we get here is Joey. Joey's back and he's talking to us about all the the stuff going on with the agreements or the arrangements between Tommy Dreamer, Shane Douglas, and Sandman because they don't like each other, but they have a common enemy in Raven and his crew. Raven comes out on crutches. And in, it, it, this is a great heel episode of ECW. He's got because, gout. Yes, not only does does Brian Pillman makes, make the greatest escape ever, into the arms of his big buddy, and his big buddy carries him out of the arena. But now Raven, for the first time in wrestling history, is using the gout as a reason yeah, to try gout. not to wrestle. <laughs> Dude, I, I I probably laughed about it then, but I'm I'm getting through, I'm going through it right now. I get I dude I know what he I know what it, they're talking about that it feels like, but. That motherfucker wouldn't be walking like that, dude. You know? It's just a hell of a fucking injury to use. It's hilarious to me. That, that, <laughs> like, I would, you know, I've never had it before, so I never thought much about it. And now that I'm going through it, it's like, yeah, this fucking shit hurts. But that was the excuse he had to gout for like 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> it, it takes a little longer than that, bud. And before we get into the match between um, Shane, the match here is Shane Douglas and Raven for the ECW Championship. Uh, before we get into the match, Lance Wright tells us who our ECW Fan of the Week is, and he says the Fan of the Week is the people in charge at WCW for continually copying ECW. So, not typical Mr. Wright segment. 
And this is the reaction, rightfully so, to the god-awful thing that is WCW Uncensored 1996. So it's sick as Lance Wright says, WCW's pay-per-views have become uncensored. They actually should be censored. Yeah, this is this is the year where they had uncensored had the Tower of Doom cage match or whatever that had Zeus in it and fucking Jeep Swenson and it was like Hogan and Savage versus all these guys and and Flair and Anderson and they had to climb to the top or get to the bottom or ah fuck it was terrible it's awful the basement in the ring yeah <laughs> they're like you got. <laughs> Your final boss is Jeep Swenson. <laughs> Good luck. Who, who they originally named the Final Solution. Yeah, oof. <laughs> that was his name coming in after they finally named him. That big-ass fucking jabroni piece of garbage. He actually stuck around for a minute. They had him and Zeus. Done. They had him and Zeus come in. Zeus was called Z-Gangsta. Yeah. And uh, they came in, and they came in like three weeks before the pay per view. They did the pay per view, and then they were fucking gone. <laughs> Deep fucking Swenson. I, I I remember the name from Texas, but I don't remember seeing a whole lot of it. I'm gonna have to fucking go into a YouTube fucking deep dive tonight if there is anything on this motherfucker. There is. There actually the um the '88 World Class stuff. On on Peacock for the world class, they actually have like the Jeep Swenson um, when Gary Hart brings them in and stuff. It's actually on Peacock, so you can watch that oh. abysmal crap. So much. You can also watch Batman and Robin because he plays Bane. I'm not watching Batman and Robin. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm more of a Buttman and Robin kind of guy. I was not, and I, I mean, and I'm a fan of Raven. I'm a bit. We, I've established it on this show. I'm a huge Raven fan. This Raven Douglas match, I really wasn't a fan of the match. I don't know if it was just the way they structured it or what, but they kind of lost yeah, me had, a couple of times. He had gout, man. Well, and that is one of my notes: is Raven wins after a DDT on the chair. And the best part of the match is Joey Styles because Joey Styles says Raven retains the ECW championship despite the gout. (laughs) He did it great. But wasn't it it more about the aftermath than it was the actual match? Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. This is a match to get to an angle. Yeah, and and, and he did it. Good. It was good what you saw, but yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't what five minutes? Not even. Was it barely five minutes? I don't know how long it was. And I like the fact that Levy kept his boot unlaced. Like he sold the gout. Like good for him, man. I I I appreciated it. The gout. Like you know, like sometimes. Sometimes guys will be working angles or matches where they got like an injury angle and they'll forget, like, you know, their right hand's damaged or whatever. And they accidentally like use it in the match and don't. Well, Aaron, Aaron, you you won. You won for this week. Because I had originally given myself the title of the, the show for this week. I had written down Pillman's Fantastic Escape. But you win. He sold the gout is going to be the, uh, the title of this week's episode. Yeah, he sold the cow, man. <laughs> Never before in wrestling history. <laughs> you just think it didn't happen in Memphis first, so I'm sure Jerry Jarrett's all pissed. What do you mean you're selling the gal up there in Philadelphia? <laughs> Call him Lawler. Why, Lawler? Why do you think about this gal bullshit? <laughs> what are you doing shaving built on these white heads when you can be having the gal? We, we pitched it to Jackie Fargo once, but he just fucking spit tobacco on us and walked away. Yeah, he didn't know anything about it. 
<laughs> he probably had the gout, for God's sake. He's like, I'm just walking here, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't get his elbows and shit. And he didn't know that there was there wasn't even a word for it then. It was just that you fucking you're all fucked up. What they call it. <laughs> Jackie Fargo had way more than the gout. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, what is way more? Where is that? Is that like the um the five hundred mark, whatever? The gout is. Like, I know you're. He had shit dripping. I guarantee it. He's spewing gout. <laughs> Seeping. He was he was he was seeping. Yeah. I can see that now. Like great mood or the gear he's spraying the, 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 the gout mist on somebody. And all of a sudden they start selling their feet. <laughs> or if they spray it right there, right on their feet. <laughs> ah the gout. All right, Aaron, take us through uh, the next few minutes here of the show. Um, well, the only other thing I got is, um, like I said, Raven wins. And then um, the only other note I have really is that I think the belly-to-belly suplex is the, no matter what wrestler uses it, it's the, as a finisher, it's the dumbest finisher any wrestler can use. Like, it's just, I don't get it. It's a, I just it's never have. It's an overdone hip toss. Like, why is the guy? Why is the guy delivering it, taking it as well? I mean, I don't know what your point is there about it, but that's what I always took about it. Everybody's walking away. No, I'm still here. Oh, I just okay. had well, to. I just had to. Everybody. I just, I just had to go mobile for a minute. That's why I was having you gonna kind of do the rundown of the aftermatch here. Yeah, you shouldn't let me do that. Um, but the aftermath, the the afterbirth of the match is the Bruce brothers come out to help Raven, but Tommy comes out um, to attack them, and they send up beating up Sandman, and then. Um, or sorry, Tommy comes out to help Shane from the Bruise Brothers, but then the Sandman ends up coming out to help um, Tommy Dreamer, and it ends in a big schmoz with the Bruise Brothers and Raven and uh, Fat Ass Meanie and Stevie running away, and it turns into um, big brawl. Shane, Sandman, and Tommy kind of having a having a stare down. And Shane is kind of mocking the Sandman every time he turns around, but Sandman or Shane's just telling him to remember about the deal they have. It's a big convoluted fucking rigmarole. That's all I can say. I thought we were having after dinner tomorrow. I didn't know that Shane had a rigmarole. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot going on. And, it, and I saw Shane do something that I've never seen Shane do before doing all that shit. He did like a fucking Chris Jericho spot. Where he jumps off the fucking inside rope over the top rope. Who the fuck told Shane that was a good idea? Trouble. 
Um, one thing. Get the fuck out of here. I don't care if you lose 90% of the matches or whatever the fuck you do, but them just walking into a bar looking like that and nothing shut my mouth. One thing I did like was when they had the chair around Raven's um, gout foot and Tommy and Sandman were arguing about which one of them was going to hit it and Shane just climbed up to the top and jumped on it. I thought that was I thought that was funny because I'm like, oh, it's a heel fucking up a heel. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that I thought that I thought that was funny. And 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 too cold comes out to end the show because we've almost forgotten about, you know, the way the TV's been produced lately. And it, it, it's cool the way it's been produced because we've almost forgotten about the fact that Sandman and Too Cold are a team. And it kind of makes you feel like Sandman's forgotten that he and Too Cold are a team. So I like the hint of the animosity there. And I am a fan of the the uneasy alliance storyline with Dreamer, Douglas, and Sandman. Like, we don't like each other, but we really don't like these guys. You know, and, and I, I'm I not appreciate saying, that. I, I'm not saying I didn't like it, but I thought they milked the whole Sandman laughing behind or Shane laughing behind Sandman's back too many times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like maybe twice was fine, but they did it like five. They did the the same thing like five times. Like, maybe yeah. it's one of those things for the live crowd, but on TV you only show it twice instead of all five. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you I, I, know, I, I did catch it, but I didn't catch it like Aaron did. Good, good, good looking out. No, I didn't, I didn't notice that. I mean, I would expect that I would expect the alliance wasn't going to go great anyway, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really see that. I mean, or pay my attention to that for a deeper. But yeah, like I said at the beginning of the show, I really actually enjoyed this episode of ECW. I actually gave this episode an A. Come on, a low A, but an A. Chad, it's just a high B. I thought it was a great show. All right. Well, yeah, I said we're going to do a short episode this week, and we did an hour anyway. <laughs> but do you guys have any parting words for our listeners before we sign off and I fucking go to bed? <laughs> Follow me, Chad Austin, on all the all the media outlets. I'm still, I'm still looking for followers. I'm still dealing with the gout. Aaron, uh, my only other my only comment would be is that gout is a serious situation, and if you think you have it, don't ignore it. Get to your doctor. Get checked out. And gout, gout, gout it all out. Don't, don't. Gout it out loud. Yeah. And I, I'll say this, just as a public service announcement for our friend Tony Atlas. Tony, watch out for the gout. Boy, you got your gout. Oh, he can put a gout. He can fit a gout foot in his mouth. Today, it's called the gout. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week.